All right, we will go ahead and get started this morning. And good morning to everyone. And I hope the ladies that were at the women's retreat had a good time. I've heard good things about it. So good. Um, so today, we are going to be covering the lesson on uh, serving. It's Lesson 69 in the Foundations course. Um, if you haven't already, there is a, an actual lesson outline, and then there's an appendix that you can grab as well um, that has some questions and answers. We won't go over that in class, but that's something that's helpful for you to kind of read through and uh, see some of those answers and uh, maybe questions that you might have had as well. Um, and so, yeah, uh, today is serving, and we have a lot of scriptures that we're going to be going through. So if you get to a section and you see a number of scriptures on there, feel free to turn to it, and then we can kind of quickly go through them as we're uh, starting. So let's open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and uh, jump right into it. Anybody mind praying for us this morning? You look up. Amen. Uh, so starting off, uh, when you think of the term serving, uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind? When you think serving or to serve, what, what pops into your head? When you think of serving, what pops into your head? Working? Okay, that's good. What else? When you think of serving, what pops into your head? Volunteering, yeah. Okay. What, what about what is serving? What is serving? Looking to the needs of others. Looking to the needs of others, okay. Anyone care to expound upon that or have a different uh, definition? Serving. serving them. Serving them, yes. Serving is serving them, yeah. Yeah, so there's a correlation there between seeing the need and acting on it. Um, so serve, basic definition is to answer the needs of. So in order to serve, you have to have a need, a tangible, actual need, and then you have to have someone that's actually performing that need. Um, and so if someone is um, at the beach and you bring them an umbrella, uh, not because it's hot, but because you, you want them to be covered up from rain, you're not really serving them because there's not a need for that at that particular instance. So there actually, actually have to be a need that you're responding to. Um, so kind of keep that in mind. Serving is responding to the needs of others. And so um, the big idea we want to kind of tackle and work through is God created us to serve. We depend upon the transforming grace of God in Christ to make us servants. Teach us how to serve and help us embrace a lifestyle of regularly considering the needs of others. Um, and so we're, we're going to be going through that idea broken up into five different considerations, five things you need to consider in order to um, be more effective at serving, or even to begin serving. Um, and it's broken down to, those five ideas are broken down to three sections, why we serve, um, how we serve, and who we serve. And so we're going to be starting off with the why we serve. Um, and the first thing you want to consider is consider your God. So the first thing you want to consider is consider your God. Um, and then we're going to be looking at Christ as a servant first. Um, would someone mind going to Isaiah 42, 1? And you can just read, well, you can read the whole verse, but we're focusing on the first part of it. Whenever someone gets there, you can start reading. Behold my servant whom I have chosen and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon 
Yep, that, that's fine. And so you see that that is Isaiah prophesying about who? Christ Jesus. So we see that Jesus was and is a servant. Um, you know, behold my servant, God talking about the son, or God the father talking about uh, Jesus the son, whom I hope uphold my chosen, whom my soul delights. Um, next you look, so you see that Jesus was and is a servant. Um, next we, came, we, we look at uh, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Can someone turn to Mark 10, 45, and also Philippians 2, 1 through 7. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then Philippians 2, 1 through 7. Yep, and so you see that whole build up in verses one through uh, five of what you uh, of what you're, you should be doing. The reason being is because Christ did not consider equality with God, um, even though he is he is God, um, but he emptied himself in order to uh, to the form of a servant. Um, and so you see there that Jesus came not to be served, but he actually um, he came to serve. And then lastly, um, let's look at Hebrews 7.25. And so you see Jesus actually continues to serve today. So when he ascended, he continued his service to us because he continues to pray for us. Um, and making intercession for us. So his service did not end once he ascended, but he continues to serve us even today. Um, and so when we're considering um, our God, we really look at the example that Christ um, is for us. Um, and it's not just Christ, but if you look at the entire Trinity, it, it exists. Um, they, well, they don't exist to serve, but they do regularly serve us. I mean, God the Father sustains all of creation, you know, through Christ, um, and we're, we're served right now even by the air that we breathe. Um, and so you see that even in God's nature. Um, the Holy Spirit is what? Our, starts with an H. Helper. helper um, which in its very nature means that the Holy Spirit is helping us, serving us regularly. Um, and so you see all aspects, um, or all these characteristics of the whole uh, Godhead serving us regularly. Um, and so, once you kind of consider that Christ as a servant, um, you'll see that he also causes us to serve. Um, and that's our response to him. So can someone turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 31? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, and this particular section is talking about uh, food laws and basically what people had the freedom to be able to do. Um, and what Paul said in this particular section was, you know, whether you're eating or whether you're choosing not to eat, um, do all to the glory of God. 
Um, but what it's really, the, and, and the basis it's talking about is that we have a lot of freedom in Christ. Um, the law um, no longer rules, controls all the actions. So in that freedom that we have to consider what we should or should not be doing, um, we should always remember that anything we do should be for the glory of God, including whether we serve or whether we don't serve, uh, or even what capacity that we serve in. Um, so the question that becomes, why do we serve? Why do we serve? And that's a question for everyone. Um, that's a great question. I, I mean, all of the above. So why do you serve the body? Why do you serve your neighbor, your spouse, your family, any of that? To give glory to God, and it is a, as you touched on it, you see in the nature of God, that God, God serves. He serves us, and we're reflecting his glory. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's good. When you think about it, we are, we are image bearers. We are made of the image of God. And so in any instance in which we actually accurately reflect God, what are we doing? We're what? We're bringing God glory. Now, of course, we have to make sure that we are attributing that reflection to God. So it's not just enough to say, hey, I'm, I'm being a good person or I'm being nice and kind. I'm giving God glory. You know, we have to attribute our action to that. Uh, but once we are doing that and we're attributing that to God, then we are bringing him glory. Um, and, and that's one major reason why we serve. Um, we're not going to read all three of those, but um, could someone read uh, Hebrews 12.3? Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that he may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Um, what, what is this verse saying? What is it talking about? What, what do you think it's saying? First of all, consider who? Okay. Uh, and what did Christ do? He, he did what? Yeah. And, and specifically in the context of this verse. Yeah, if you, if you look at um, throughout the Gospels, many of the instances in which Christ served were accompanied with what? Ridicule um, and people coming down to him. You had this group of traveling Pharisees and sometimes Sadducees and just people onlookers that he would do something, he would serve people, and what would people say? Oh, that's you broke the law, or you did this, you did that. So he was enduring all of that while still serving. Um, and so we're, what are we doing? We're considering him, Christ, who endured those things, so that what? We don't get weary of serving. We don't get weary of serving. Um, inside of that, what, what does that mean? 
so that we don't get weary of serving. What, what's an implication of that? We're serving, yeah. And what else? Serving is tiring. God knows this, that serving is tiring. Um, and so we have to realize that God knows serving is, tired, is tiring, and so he puts this encouragement in us so that we don't look and consider this, the serving itself, but we're considering Christ um, so that we don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Um, and so really we have to start off with considering God because um, before we even get into the serving aspect, we have to realize that that is, that is our fuel, um, our consideration of Christ um, in order for us to be able to continue in that serving because it is tiring. Um, you will become weary. You will become faint-hearted. Um, but if you keep your eyes on the cross, like many things in our, our, our Christian life, um, you will be able to sustain through um, that act of serving. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's considering uh, your God is kind of that first section. And I'd encourage you to go back and read all those verses. They all have to deal with um, considering God in, in our service. Uh, but we're going to move on because we want to hit up all five points, um, if possible. Uh, and so we looked at why we serve and the next three things in consideration are really how we serve. Um, and so in this next part, uh, we first considered your God or we considered our God. Uh, next one is you want to consider your ways. Consider your ways. Can someone turn to Haggai chapter one and we're going to read verses one through seven. You may be wondering why I'm bringing you to a minor prophet this morning, but we'll get there pretty quickly. Uh, so someone turn to Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. All right, so I'm going to paint a picture for you to see if any of this sounds familiar. So they have been living in the world in Babylon in captivity um, to the world. And what happened? They were freed from that. They were freed um, from where they are and were able to return to the city of God. So they were freed from being in the world, um, being in Babylon, and they were sent back to the God city um, where they were meant to be his people. And so upon returning, um, they had been freed and now they had freedom. Uh, but there was still something that God wanted them to do. He wanted them to build what? His temple, his house. He wanted them to build a dwelling place in that city for them. Um, but instead of focusing on building up the God's house, what did they do? What does the verse say they did? They built panel houses. Um, was it wrong for them to build a place for them to live, sleep? No, no. What, what, what was the problem with what they were doing? They built what? 
Yeah. More specifically, and if you don't know the context, you might miss it, they built paneled houses. Now, today, um, in our HGTV society, we don't consider paneled houses a thing of luxury. Um, but back then, that would have been luxury. That would have been a nice house. Like you, That would not have just been clay walls. Um, but they had really spent the extra time and effort and energy into making really nice places for them to live. Um, so God, God didn't have a problem with them um, providing, providing for themselves and taking care of their basic needs, but they went beyond that. They were um, really building a, a lifestyle of comfort um, at the expense of serving God, at the expense of doing what he wanted them to do. Um, and so God does not come right out and say, rip down your paneled houses or you should never have built them. What, what, what's, what is said here? Consider what? Consider your ways. Um, and really the first step in, um, in practically kind of walking and, and, and trying and endeavoring to serve is considering your ways. What are you doing? What are you engaging in? What are you spending your time in doing um, that could, in effect, be spent serving others, you know, serving God. Um, it's, it's a call to consider what you're doing. I mean, really that's what we're regularly called to do as believers. We're called to consider our ways um, in all different areas, and, and that also applies to how we serve. Um, a lifestyle not spent in consideration is really a lifestyle in which you uh, believe that every choice that you make is right. Um, whatever that decision that you have decided to do is inherently right. And as opposed to, I need to go back and consider what I'm doing in light of God and what he might desire for me to do and whether or not you know, what I'm doing is right. Um, and so we, we want to have that mindset of regularly considering our ways. It's said, said twice here. Um, said once, okay. Said twice, he, we, we are really supposed to get that. Um, and also you'll notice that they were building these really nice houses for themselves. They were trying to get this level of comfort. But what? Uh, you have sown much, but you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you, have, you never have your fill. And so what we'll see is that many times when we are trying to, we're spending more time in our own comforts and you know, making sure that we are in a good place, it's not enough. It's empty. We're, we're always, we need a little bit more money. We need a, a, a little bit better upgrade in our home, or we need a little bit more time doing this. We don't get filled by those things. You know? So we are called to consider our ways because really we're, we're, when you focus on those things, you, God is not going to be um, pleased with it. And so you're not going to receive that, that fullness that you might otherwise have. Um, Matthew Henry said about this section, uh, what the judgments of God were by which they were punished for this neglect. Um, in verses 6, 9 through 11, they neglected the building of God's house and put that off that they might have time and money for their secular affairs. They desire to be excused from such an expensive piece of work under this pretense that they must provide for their families. Their children must have meat and portions, too. And until they have got beforehand in the world, they cannot think of rebuilding the temple. Um, and so you, you see he just kind of lays out, you know, focusing on secular affairs and their, their families having, uh, for being provided for and their children having meat and portions, which in and of themselves, not wrong, they're not sinful, um, but when you, when you are doing um, above just kind of those base needs, expense for serving God, you know, we're called to consider. Um, and so you want to keep that in mind. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 11, let's, uh, if someone can jump there and read that briefly.
my reward for all my toil. And I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Yeah, so Solomon, one of the widest, wisest men to ever live, um, gives us this nugget of wisdom. He, he had tremendous wealth. He, he did not deny himself of any pleasure um, that he could potentially have. And then as he's sitting in reflection after just a life spent of getting all these different things, what does he say? It's what? It's vanity. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's striving after the wind that he says in other parts. Um, and so you just see this wisdom here that just seeking after those things um, is something that you should really know that it, it, in and of itself, it's vanity. You know, he would have you to understand that. He would have you to understand that it's helpful to consider your ways as well. Um, and so question, what are some areas in your life you could consider in order to provide more opportunities to serve? Serve others, to serve the body, um, serve your neighbors. What are some, some areas that you could consider? And this is a response portion, so you have to actually give me some areas. <laughs> Serving your spouse. That's a good one. You know, we, we are called to serve and love our spouse, and we should be doing that sacrificially. Um, if serving your spouse is all you do, you, you, from the morning you wake up to the time you go to sleep, all I'm concerned about is the needs of one individual, you might be called to consider. Um, I'm not saying don't, but consider. What else? Your time. Okay, we'll get to that in a second, but that is, yeah, that's definitely a part of it. What else? Your homes, consider your home and where you live. Um, just, am I really using my house well and where I live to help serve others? Um, what about your leisure time? You know, consider your, the amount of TV that you watch. You know, you might want to relax at the end of a day, but can you consider that in order to serve others? Hobbies, you, you really enjoy doing something. It is your, your, your area of venting, of releasing stress. Consider, you know, think about it. Um, your work, your career. That's touchy because in this area, people are really career-focused and career-minded, and I, I want to work really hard. Um, but are you working so much that you are at the expense of others uh, pursuing your own career in life? I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying consider. <laughs> I thought that was a question. <laughs> Just a little a twist on what you said, though. Yeah. But also consider that God has given you you know, the loves that he's given you. And some of the loves that you have are, are fallen loves. But some of the loves he's given you are, are God's design for you. Some of those hobbies and things that you have are things that he's given you. And you can still do those things in a way that serves other people, right? So I love board games. I love board games. I'm crazy about board games. I'm with you. But it's a great opportunity for me to spend time with non-Christians. And over time, it being a regular board game club, which, you know, at first, it's like, why is this adult man off playing board games once a year, once a month? <laughs> but over the years, you know, eight, ten years into it, you know, relationships with non-Christians that I've had at that club have been wonderful opportunities to share the gospel, um, have, you know, impacted their lives and my family's lives, we become friends. And there are things that, you know, as a grown man with four kids, 
I don't have a lot of opportunities for spending time with non-Christians, right? Besides work and kind of that. And other people have other hobbies. So I'm just saying, we can set up this, this sort of false um, binary where it's like, do the things you want or serve, which you don't want. And I think we gotta be careful about phrasing it that way because I think a lot of times we can do the things we want and serve and make service something we actually want to do. Yeah. Something about that. And, and, and it's very true. Um, and, and elsewhere, we're going to get there. You are definitely on, on, on track with that. You know, God has given us skills and abilities, right? Um, we're gonna, and there's a verse that talks about that. We're going to get to it later. But, you know, God does not give us skills, abilities, um, in order for us to just build up ourselves or our own interests. But they are for the building up of the body. Um, and so even those skills and, and things that he might give you a passion for, you can use to serve God and to serve others. And so that consideration is not either this or either that. Sometimes it is, but it's also, hey, how can I use just this gift, this passion that I have to serve others? So that, that, that's very true. Yeah, so serving is something that's just general. It doesn't just belong to the purview of believers. Um, that's something that everyone can do. Um, the big difference you'll see is that there's serving that has um, eternal implications or eternal weight, and there's serving that has temporal implications, all right? So if I am serving in a, an after-school tutoring program, right, that's good. You're, you're helping a, a child in need. That's great. Um, and you, you really are doing something that's, that's in general. If that's not married with or coupled with the gospel and, you know, how man I see that interact in this, then there's no internal implications in that. Um, it's, it's, you know, hard to hear sometimes. And I'm not saying everyone should abandon, you know, serving community or schools, or all those different things. Um, but the question becomes, OK, you know, is it is it serving in this area or is it serving in that area? It can be both. Um, but there's just a difference. And, I, and I, I, once again, I don't want to downplay doing those things, which are good, um, and, and you are serving others, but you just have those two different uh, dichotomies of the effect of that serving. Um, so next, let's move on. Uh, so we considered, um, consider our God. We consider our ways. Next, you want to consider your time. Yes, Edder, you, you hit that um, a little bit earlier. Leviticus 23, um, 22. If someone could turn there, and then if someone could also turn to Psalm 90, 10 through 12, and Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. We'll read all three um, as we're going through. Um, but whenever someone gets to Leviticus 23, 22, they can read that. What does that have to do with time, right? Yeah, uh, give me a second, I'll, I'll get us there. So in, in the Old Testament, in, in that law, um, they were told that when you harvested your fields, because you had just spent all this time working um, and doing things, that you were not to glean or harvest to the edge of your field. That was so that the sojourner, the poor, those that did not have, could come to that, that excess that you have and get from that, that they could have food to eat, that they can be you know, provided for. And so what you saw here is that God put this out there so that people, other people could be served 
from your excess, what you have, you know, what, what, what you um, have extra of. That applies in this condition when you consider just the time that we have. You know, you wake up in the morning from, yeah, I don't know what time you wake up, but if you wake up at 6.30, from 6.30 a.m. till 10 p.m. that whole day, every second of your day is filled with stuff. Your calendar is full, your schedule is jam-packed. Um, you have harvested to the edge of your field of time. All the time that you have, you have used up that whole thing. And what you'll notice is that once you've used up that whole thing, there's no, really no flexibility to serve others, right? Uh, you might see a need that comes up. You might see something that is, that is of want of someone else. And you look at your schedule like, well, I have nothing extra. I've used it all up. Um, and so what you see here is just a way of thinking about just the time and schedule that you have. You know, do you leave time in your schedule uh, for practically serving others? You build that in to your schedule of, hey, I want to make sure that I'm putting priority so that those in need of, of me and my services and the gifts that I have, that I'm actually able to serve them. Now, how many people in this room, you can raise your hand, have, suffer from full calendar syndrome? Really? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot, especially you just have these full schedules jam-packed. Um, but really, we, we should consider our time, consider our calendars, and think, hey, can I, can I leave some extra there? Can I leave some time that intentionally I'm going to look for ways that people might need help serving? Um, if something were to come across, if you were to see a need just pop up in front of you, would you have the flexibility to, to meet that? You might have the skill, you might have the ability, but just might not have the time. Um, can someone turn to Psalm 90, 10 through 12? The years of life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Yeah, teach us to number our, our, our days. Um, if, if David is, is asking God to teach him, to teach us how to number our days, what does that mean? That we don't know how to number our days. There you go, that's good. We don't know how to number our days. Why? We are finite human beings um, with finite understandings of time, of how much time we have, um, of, of all of that. And so inherent in that, you know, what, 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 what must we do? We must consider. Um, but what, what must we do? What, we must be taught by who? By God, right? So what does that mean for our time? Are you regularly going to God and asking him what you should do with your time? Are you regularly going before him and asking him, hey, teach me how to make better use of my time? No, we think that we are the masters of our own schedules, that we really know what's best in our time. You know, we'll use some wisdom in there, so I'm not saying our, our schedule making and our consideration of time is devoid of that, um, but do we go to God to teach us to number our days? Um, I, I would probably, at least for myself, I know the answer is not always yes. In fact, it's most frequently not yes. I don't always or regularly go to God and say, hey, you know, is, is this the best use of my time? Are, are you, am I really considering you and asking you to teach me how to number my days. So that's something to consider, um, is that you, sh you really, and this is David saying it, um, he's, he's saying, you know, teach me, teach us to number our days. Um, how might God um, teach us to number our days? What, what ways might he do that? Take 
Yeah, definitely. Reflection. Reflection, yes. Affliction. Affliction? Okay, it's bound. Anyone else? Death. Death, definitely. Yeah, you see someone die. Real. Now, when you see these things happen, when you see affliction, when you see uh, a child going up, when you see death, we have to then connect that with considering our time. And so when we see these things, you know, we might be sad or we might be full of joy when we see a child, but are we necessarily tying that to our time? You know, when you see those things happen, are you reminded, hey, God, I, you know, that was a reminder that, that seasons change, that time passes. Help me to make better use of my time. Do you then look at what you're doing today and say, hey, you know, am I, am I making full use of the days that God has given me? Because tomorrow's not promised. Um, so that, that all of these events are calls to us to consider our time and the days that God has given to us. And so that should, in, inherent in that, be reflection, be consideration of that. Remember, one thing that was put forth that our life should be full of consideration um, of just what we're doing um, in light of, you know, God. Um, yeah. Did you share that? I didn't think of the, just the parable of the rich man who stored up, who built bigger barns to store up and said to his own soul, you have so much, just eat and drink and be merry. And Jesus is going to say, but here's what it says to him, this very night, your soul will demand it of you. Yeah. tearing down his sufficient barns, because he had sufficient barns, he had a co sufficient containers to have everything he have, to say, hey, I'm going to get even more. Let me build more so I can have capacity. Now that, that's what our, our heart is. And, and one thing we don't have more of in a day, in a week, in a month is time. <laughs> we just, there's 24 hours in a day. Uh, there's 26, 25 hours today because, you know, fall back. So we are blessed in that. We already blew that. We, already blew that. we, we were asleep. <laughs> Unless you were awake. When that, that hour changed over, you lost that time. So, you know, the one day you, you lose that, and then, you know, it's taken right back, fall back. I don't, I don't like that system, but we'll, we'll say that for another day. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. If someone could read that briefly, um, um, we'll, we'll consider that passage. So there's a lot of different kind of concepts in here. You have, you know, walking, um, wise, unwise. You have time, evil. Uh, you have foolish. Um, and really, you tie it all together in that, you know, we're, we're to make the best use of our time. Um, how are we doing that? We're walking carefully. Um, why are we doing it? Because the days are evil. Um, if we're not doing it, we're being foolish. Um, Purpose, we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, so really, we, we want to make sure that we are making the best use of our time because the days are evil. You know, we live in evil days where um, Satan is prowling around like a, a roaring lion, um, seeking those whom he may devour. And we are called to walk carefully, um, not as the unwise and wise. And part of that means considering what we're doing regularly um, and using the time that we have. 
um, not being foolish, uh, but understanding what God's will is for us. So we considered, um, we considered, you consider your God, um, you consider your ways, you consider your time, and next you're called to consider your heart. Consider your heart. If someone could turn to 1 John chapter 3 and read verses 16 through 18. I've seen this with a lot of people um, just in, in talking with them that in many times um, you might have the time to do it. You know, you realize that you, there's a need of serving um, and you even have, you know, you're considering God when you're serving. Um, but you, you kind of see your heart is not right. You know, your motives might be a little bit off. You may not really want to do it um, within your heart. Uh, you might really want to do something else. Just, your heart just postures off. Sometimes it's, it's extreme, sometimes it's less. Um, and the heart has in many cases been uh, just this, this block for people serving others and how you feel about it and, and what you're thinking. And so that, that, that's a big component of serving is considering your heart. Um, how have you or how might you um, close your heart to others when they're in need? What might that look like? Closing your heart to others when they're in need. You can say in a general sense, or you can make it about yourself, how, what that looks like for you. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, when, when going to serve, and you see, oh, I'm going to have to deal with all that, all that, that, that's that's going to be tough. I don't really want to deal with that, too. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with doing this, but I don't want all of that. You know, I'm okay with, you know, just putting out some chairs, but person, other person putting out chairs, they got a lot of things I don't have to deal with. You, you, you want to do it, but then you see just the scope of what it's going to take in that heart. So that, that's very true. We might close our hearts off um, when we see that. Yeah, but if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, how does God's love abide in him? True. Anyone else? Also, the temptation is to just expect somebody else to do it, like let somebody else handle the burden. Even if I'm able, like, well, no, wait to see if that's going to get filled first, rather than just jump to it. Yeah, that that anyone there, but if anyone has these, not if other people have the world's good. It's, it's if anyone has the world's good. So if you have the world's goods or the ability in and of yourself to do it, consider.
hardening of my heart yeah. is going to be whether it's saying somebody else will do it or just saying, you know, this is this is the consequences of their. So I harden my heart rather than being compassionate, merciful, yeah. serving, giving. Um, would be one way. Yeah, and and, I, and it's even inherent in the verse. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother need, didn't say what led to that person being in need. It didn't say what led to that, you know, what conditions they might, it just, there's a need there. Now, it's very true that sometimes people will put themselves in situations where they need help. And we're called to be wise, and we're called to provide counsel. Uh, but consider this, you cannot provide wise counsel if you're not there. If someone finds themselves in need because of their own sin, how can you counsel them? How can you share from God's word about what they've done if you're not actually there serving them? You can judge them from afar and say, well, they did these things, um, which is why they're there. It has no benefit to them. <laughs> you're not serving them at all. If you're there, you can actually speak wisdom to them and maybe help them uh, from entering that same, that same thing the next time. I think there's an element of fear. Like my son Jack and I were talking about when he worked on the Hill and you get off at Union Station Metro and there's these you know, people looking for a handout that open the doors for you. And he was asking like what he could do. And I'm like, uh, you're 17. I don't want you getting involved with that, <laughs> you know. But you, there's often the element of you, know, you want to circle your own wagons and yep. make sure that nobody gets hurt and this person is an unknown. And that's different than like people in your church. But there is that sort of I want to do something, but I also don't want to be stupid because this person could be insane or criminal or latch on to me and then like you know what I mean? Yeah. Give me personal information. So I think there's that fear of like just fear. Like, I don't yeah. want to protect my own, and I'm afraid of getting too involved. Yeah, and and I, I think that even applies to everyday situation. You know, we're fearful even within the body of how we might serve somebody and what they might be dealing with, um, or just people that we might know, but we know that there are just deeper issues there that we don't feel equipped to. So I, I think that's very true, which is why this whole thing is a, not about, hey, you go out and serve. Uh, I'm not saying you need to drop what you're doing. We all need to leave church even before the message is preached today and go find some people that we need to serve. It's, it's a call to consideration. A lifestyle of consideration um, brings wisdom because as we're considering more, um, we're going to God more, asking him, and you're getting that wisdom so that when you're in those situations, um, you're, you're better able to make those decisions. Most of the times there's no consideration. We see something, uh, whether it be a need that's around you in the body, an area you can serve, you're out and about and someone needs help, you're, there's a a ministering opportunity um, where you might be called to serve. There's just no consideration there. So we, we need to just make sure that, that that's happening there, you know, following some of the things that have been outlined so that it, it, that, that process is beginning there. And that's, I mean, that's real. That's true. And that's why we're called to consider. You know, that, that's what it boils down to. We have to consider in every single situation whether or not we're doing it. So the answer is not, well, let me not even think about it at all, but it's consider. And sometimes we, we have to look at real situations, circumstances, 
in light and, and, and really that decision might be no, but it has to begin with considering. Uh, and that's really what it, it boils down to. Great question. Uh, when seeing the needs around us, the one, two, three, that this kind of goes directly into that. So when seeing the needs around us, one, we should always be moved to pray. We should always be moved to pray. If you see a need around you, you should always be moved to pray. We're called to pray without ceasing. So anytime we see a need, anytime we see a byproduct of the fallen world, we should be praying for it. You see an accident you're driving by, you should pray for that. You see someone on the street in need, you should pray for that. When you see a class that doesn't have a worker back there for childcare, you should pray for that. You know, we should, we should just be, if we really just prayed without ceasing and every time we saw a need, we actually prayed, imagine how much better your prayer life would be. So we should always be, be moved to pray. Second, we should in most cases be moved to consider. We should in most cases be moved to consider. So you're always praying, and then second, you're, you're called to consider. So, you know, I hear about um, the, the tsunami that hit Japan, right? I might not consider um, if I can go over there and help serve because it just would not logistically be possible, right? Um, it just, it might not work out. But if I hear about um, a, a community that had a huge fire um, down the road, I'm going to consider that. So in, a, in most cases, we're called to consider um, if we can actually serve in that. Um, and then third, we should in some cases be moved to act. So we should always be moved to pray. We should in most cases be called to consider. And in some cases, we should be moved to act. So there's a progression there. We're always praying. We should, in most cases, be considering. Um, and then, in some cases, we should be moved to act. So if you're always praying, you're getting wisdom in that. Um, that wisdom then helps you in your consideration of whether or not you should do something. That some, that sometimes that consideration will end in a no. That's, that's okay. You know, we cannot meet every need that exists in the world. That, the only person that can meet every need that exists in the world is who? God. So we are not God. You are not God. There. I've said it. You can go home with that. You are not God. Um, so you cannot meet every need that you But you should consider. Um, and then you, you should, if you, if you consider and you are never moved to act when you see a need, you always see needs regularly like, um, no, you just never do that. I, I, one, I doubt you're praying about it beforehand all the time. And then I don't think you're really giving a lot of consideration to that. So that, that I would say that's what that looks like. You know, that, that natural progression of prayer. Um, if, if you're trying to consider whether or not you should meet a need that you see around you and you haven't prayed, you might as well stop considering because you're not, you haven't gone to God, the one person that gives wisdom, that teaches a number of our days and, and helps us to think well about, you know, who um, we should serve and what kind of situations, whatnot. Does that kind of answer that question? Yeah, so it sounds like you were saying also there's a consideration of God's capacity uh, to do this Yep, and that was in uh, time. We said consider our time, that capacity. If you already consider your time, you built in some capacity there. Whereas there was no capacity before, if you consider, there's, there's an order to these. So if you've 
consider your, your time first, then you have a little bit more capacity um, to actually consider things well. Um, and so we looked at um, why we serve and how we serve, and the last section is, um, is who we serve. Um, and then that last section, we're going to consider your brother, your sister, your neighbor. So brother, sister, believers, other believers, your neighbors, those around you. Um, so who we serve. Could someone current, turn to Galatians 6, 9 through 10? Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And whenever someone gets that, they can read it. Then let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. I absolutely love this verse. This is a great verse. If you need a memory verse for today, um, for this week, this is a great one. Um, let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. We should really repeat that in our minds because we grow weary of doing good. I mean, we just do. Especially if you have a lifestyle or just a life of regularly giving out to others um, and serving, you can grow weary of that. We are not God. We do not have an infinite, unlimited amount of power, strength, sustainability. So you will grow weary. Um, this passage is... Um, what Paul is saying is, let us not grow weary. Um, he's not saying you won't grow weary. He is calling us to not grow weary, to grow tired of that. Meaning that we have the ability, through the power of God, to continue on, to strive in that. Um, and even in that weariness, you know, there's times of rest that we need to seek so that we don't get completely, you know, burned out weary. But it's, it's, a, it's a call for us to, to not become weary. For in due season, we will rip, reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, and really, that, that due season, from uh, in most cases, will be when Christ returns. Uh, but even here, practically, when you serve, um, it, that, that serving, that meeting the needs of others, you'll see the benefits of that where, because that person's need is met. Um, any Sunday where you are able to sit under God's word and hear Garrett or whoever the preacher is preaching, guess what? There are some faithful servants that are watching a ton of kids um, so that out there doesn't sound like a circus, right? Because we had all the kids sitting in service. Um, I, love, I love my kids. I love all of our kids. I probably would not be able to hear Garrett regularly um, if all the kids were in there. So some people, some faithful pe people that are not growing weary, um, that we are reaping a harvest of and being able to sit under God's word. Um, so, I mean, that's good. And, and we need if the, more. Huh? We need more. We need more, yeah. We, need, we always need more people to help help watch, watch kids and pour into them. So those people are not growing weary and pouring into the kids because in due season, those kids, right, will get, have God's word etched into their hearts um, and prayerfully will, will know him as their savior. So there's, there's a component of that of not growing weary. Um, and so um, here we're called to let it do good to everyone, but especially to those who are in the household of faith. Um, and so you'll kind of see a diagram down there you got you, your family, and you got the household of faith, and you have your neighbor. Um, and Kevin DeYoung had this kind of good principle. He called it moral proximity. Um, and he says, basically, you know, I'm not going to butcher this. I'm going to actually uh, read this. Um, uh, the principle is pretty straightforward, but it's often overlooked. The closer the moral proximity of the poor uh, or those in need, the greater the moral obligation to help. Moral proximity does not refer to geography 
though that can be part of the equation. Moral proximity refers to how connected we are to someone by virtue of familiarity, familiarity sorry, kinship, space, or time. And so, you know, we, you, you said general sense that you are called to love and serve your family, you, your family, so you have a spouse, you have relatives, we're called to serve them. Um, 1 Timothy 5, forget the exact verse, says, you know, if you do not care for your family, you know, you are worse than an unbeliever. You know, so you're called to serve your family and meet their needs. Um, but we're also called to meet the needs and, and when uh, able to, the household of faith. Um, that's other believers. That's your local body. So you should be helping to serve and meet the needs of the believers around you. That might look like serving in a ministry at, at church. Um, that might be, look, look like, you know, seeing for needs that are in people in your community group or those around you. You are called to serve those people. You cannot serve if you are not reaching out to find out what the needs are. You can't just say, I'm just going to wait for a need to present itself. No, you need to be looking for those. We're looking for opportunities to serve. And then we're also called to serve our neighbor, those around us, those in your community, your, your next door neighbor. Um, your neighbor is also the person that you regularly see um, at the gym if you do that. Your, person is the, your neighbor is the person that you see um, when at work or the people that you pass when you're out for walks. Um, those are your neighbors and we're called to see how we can serve them. Um, definitely always proclaiming the gospel, but also looking for practical ways that we can serve as a means by which um, to glorify God. So, you know, you see you, your family, and then a circle around that household of faith. Um, and then you're called to, to consider your neighbor and how you can serve them too. So we're considering, you know, your, your, the brothers and sisters in Christ and your neighbors. Could someone read Galatians 4, 13 through 14? Yeah, I mean, so you had um, Paul here who needed, <laughs> he needed to be served. Um, and you had the people in Galatia uh, actually practically serving him. So he was, a, he, was a, he was not a brother or sister at first, yet they were helping him. And then he became brother or sister as uh, many of the Galatians became believers. Um, and, so, and so you just see that it's, it's necessary. Um, people need us. Paul needed to be served. Um, and when you are serving those around you, you're meeting that, that practical need. Um, and so, yeah, we've considered what? First we consider, we consider our God. Next we consider our ways, you know, what we're doing, how we're living our life. Uh, next we consider time, good. Yeah, we consider how we're spending our time, if we've already spent our time before the day begins, or whether or not we're leaving anything extra. Uh, next we've considered our hearts and what our posture is um, and make sure that that is, is right and being worked on and then we're called to consider we just went over this we're called to consider neighbors brothers sisters in Christ we're called to consider those and so you'll see all throughout that all these different things that we're called to consider in order to be effectively serving others um, and, and really that that is how you serve others well you have to be regularly considering. Not, not thinking that you have got a good balance, everything has worked out, I, I think I've got this all. Even if you are regularly serving and you have a, a great system in place, or you're not serving at all, we're still called to consider and realizing that um, we 
are not omniscient. We don't have it all figured out. We do not know. We still have to go to God um, to teach us to number our days so that we are, are making wise decisions. Um, Just to comment on the, our neighbors, yeah. you know, the, the Boy Scouts, their motto is do a good turn daily. It comes right out of Galatians. Yeah. And the idea is they go out every day. The Scouts' job, their job is to look for someone they can help every single day. That's yeah. a secular organization that's modeled on this. I think it's a great principle. And these guys yesterday did, uh, they sent out, they did a food drive. Yeah. And to collect, you know, millions of pounds of food for the homeless <laughs> and you know, that sort of thing. But that's, yeah. it's a good call. It's a great call. When you think of the uh, pair of the Good Samaritan, um, yeah. you had two people, two individuals that came by first, did not consider serving or helping that person. The Good Samaritan, he did not, I don't know if he went that day looking for somebody. Uh, we don't think he did because it says he was just going about his business. He saw an opportunity to serve and he did it. Um, and so we, we may not necessarily be saying, hey, today is my serving day. But as you are going about your life, I mean, well, we should, every day should be our serving day, but as you're just going through our life, we're looking for opportunities to serve. We're considering it. We're actually doing it. Um, one final reflection. It's somewhat easy to begin serving um, or easier to begin serving. It's much harder to continue in it. It's hard, not to, it's hard um, to be other-oriented, always to thinking of others. Uh, continuing in, to serve one another requires the ongoing grace and power of God. Serving is not easy and is not meant to be easy. And we're not meant to do it in our own strength. We need God's help in loving one another. This goes back to 1 Peter um, 4.11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves um, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By the strength that God supplies, in order that in what? Some things. No. In order... In, in what? In everything. Everything God may be glorified um, to Jesus Christ. Um, and, and that's really what we're, we started off with that um, and we end with that. This is about God's glory. You know, we should be consumed with God's glory. As we are seeking to serve people, we're not just thinking of that person. We're not just thinking of that need. What are we thinking about? God's glory. Um, and that is sobering. If you spend your days consumed with thinking about God's glory, it will drastically affect and change how you act, what you do, what you think. Um, we as believers, as Christians, are called to focus on God's glory. And as we think about God's glory, you, you better believe that that will affect what you're doing, how you're doing it, who you're serving, all of that. Um, by the strength of God, we're considering um, and everything, we're doing it for God's glory through Jesus Christ. Um, and then for those that are serving, either the body or those around them, you know, God sees it. He is grateful for that. One of the passages that we didn't read um, talked about, um, uh, it was Peter saying that um, God does not miss that, they, that the love and service that they are providing to one another and to others. Um, so God sees it and he is grateful for that. Don't grow weary in it. Continue in serving that, knowing that um, in due time you'll reap a harvest of that and that and that may be for the other person, that may be for yourself and whatever it means, but God is pleased with that. And for those that don't serve, consider, you know, consider, consider your ways and um, consider how you might um, better serve others. Any final thoughts, comments, reflections? We have like probably two minutes or 60 seconds, something like that. Just, I, I think it's a lot easier to do things that make us feel really good, like working at a soup kitchen. And the hard thing is serving people in your house. Like when it's like your turn to get a shower and your brother is still in or... 
whatever. I think like Matt made coffee, even though we were already running late and brought it out to me today. To me, all those small things that are they really require sacrifice are yeah. also often missed, and they're that's so glorifying to God when a family loves each other and puts each other first. Because it's so easy to think my rights, my turn, my you know. Yeah. It's harder to sacrifice to your family because nobody sees it and goes, wow, that's a really godly person, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's service will cost you something. Service will cost you something. And so, yeah, you, you consider the cost, too. Um, but it, it does cost you, and that's real. And it, it is hard to serve your family. Any, anything else? Any comments, reflections, or anything like There's that? There's a related principle between that and the story of Samaritan. Like you said, a Samaritan didn't go looking. Yeah, he was actually traveling to a specific place. He was looking, I'm going to go out and look to serve today. But he was ready to respond to the need for service, right? So I think that we could walk out of this and go, what are all the things I could do? And we're probably going to be inclined in our, in our sinful hearts to look for ways that are going to bring ourselves glory. It's a harder evaluation to look at what are the things I'm sort of think that God's going to be calling me to that maybe no one will see, right? And it's really messy. And I've been hardening my heart against that that call for years or, or whatever. Like, I think there's a principle there about kind of responding to a need that God has put in your life before you're going out and yeah. hunting for something. Yeah. Um, the, he, the passage in Hebrews 12 was following Hebrews 11. Um, where you had this great cloud of witnesses that live by faith. And then Hebrews 12 is consider them. So there are people that have gone before us that have lovingly, sacrificially served others. Um, and so when we are serving, it's not always to a witness around us that can see. We shouldn't always be looking for that. But realize that there are people that have gone before us that we should be considering, that you know, we're looking at that great cloud of witnesses. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. Hopefully it's edified some folks. There's an appendix, a second section that has some questions and answers, uh, things that we might have questions about when thinking about serving and some responses to those. That's on the, uh, the, I don't know what you call it, stand over there. So if you didn't grab it when you came in, grab that on your way out. Um, can anyone close us out in a word of prayer? I'm looking at you, so I guess you're going to pray.